Sick Harrison Price for Friday, February 2nd, 2024. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And you have Valentine's Day plans. Why not make it a staycation down here at the wall? Call the hotel, 604-331-1000. Matt Sick Harris alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things with intern Lachlan Irvin. We'll miss you after today, buddy. And this show, a and this big show, a presentation of Apple at Auto. Apple Kia and Langley's got the Kia Nero EV and EV6 with a complimentary EV charger or complimentary set of winter tires. Your choice It's from Kia Canada. Go check it out at Applewood Kia and Langley. It is all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Should the Canucks trade a second round pick and a prospect for Chris Tanef? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter and YouTube, and we are asking this because the Athletic, TSN, Pierre Lebrun reporting that is the price tag for Chris Tanef. We have heard that there are as many as 10 teams interested here in the former Vancouver Canucks defenseman, of course, a right-handed defenseman, and another unrestricted free agent to be this summer. And look, um, coming off the uh, Elias Lindholm trade, one of the things we talked about that when you're looking to get a player of that stature by the trade deadline, it's usually a roster player, a prospect and a pick. Well, Chris Tanef is no longer at that stature. He's a very good defenseman, but yeah. at this stage of the game, he's a high end second pair defenseman. If not a, a third pair de- defenseman, he has managed to stay relatively healthy for the Calgary flames, which is quite remarkable given how often he's throwing himself in front of pucks and, and uh, sacrificing his body in the name of danger or preventing scoring chances against, I see some people in the poll question wondering, well, you know, the prospect, you know, define that for me. It's typically a B level prospect in this sort of combination. I mean, who's a level on the Canucks? No. Face? Well, I mean, Electra Mackey and Wheelander would be the only a level prospect. You think there's a third A-level prospect? I think there's a, a, a and not necessarily me, because I'd be willing to send Atu Ratu the other way, but I think there's other people that would put Ratu and, and Pod Colson okay. on that list. Um, Hockey News earlier in the year put Ratu as a A-level mm-hmm. prospect. Yeah. Uh, but typically, if, look, Chris, Pan, Chris Tana for an A-level prospect is probably too rich right now. Yes. Um, yeah, you're not, you're not so, going to like so for By Tana, definition, no. yeah. So by definition, I think. Yeah. You're looking at a, a B-level prospect and a second-round pick. Of course, the Vancouver Canucks do not have a second-round pick here in the 2024 draft. They traded that out um, in the um, – uh, was that the Philip Ronick or was that uh, – I'm getting confused now. Was that Philip Ronick or was that a another uh, trade? This is the problem. So this management group has wheeled and dealed – you know, three times as much as their nearest rivals in oh. the National Hockey League. So we've lost track. No, uh, I, I should have known this. This was the pick shipped out with Jason Dickinson to the Chicago Blackhawks to get rid of that salary on the eve of the Blackhawks leading score Jason Dickinson. Last year. Yeah. So there you go. Yes, yeah. uh, Ronick did uh, also cost a second, but not this specific, not this specific pick. So you tell me, Blake Price, you making that deal right now if you're Alvin and Rutherford? Uh, we have a saying, we use it a lot. You are pot committed. Mm -hmm. So might as well. And and that's what at the end of the day carries it for me. Uh, I would have a number of misgivings about that trade. 
uh, should it come to pass. Of course, first and foremost, the health of Danif, right? Yep. Like, can you get him through the 20-some games, maybe 30-some games, if it were to happen sooner between now and the regular season healthy? How long would he hold up in the Stanley Cup playoffs, given how hard the minutes are there? Um, it would probably, it, it, a deal like that probably caps the Canucks out to the point where they can't really add anything else. So you'd be sacrificing the ability to get another forward. And I do think they need another forward because of the many good things about the Elias Lindholm trade. The one thing it didn't do was add quantity to the forward group. Uh, it would further deplete the draft capital and the prospect pool that the Canucks have as well. Um, which again, if you're all in, you're all in. If you're pot committed, you're pot committed. Uh, and of course, you know, is that paying for Chris Tanef name value for a guy you might just be able to sign in the summer? Is that paying a premium for a guy who's got a reputation and very well earned when you can probably pay a lesser price and get something close to Chris Tanev for your defense core. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. I need to know that name. Like, like who's the other guy? Sealer, Walker, these sorts of players. Um, You need to Carrier. know. You need to know a little bit about the characters of these players. Mm-hmm. You just know that Chris Tanev slides easily back into the, that sure. line. And the familiarity here and the fact that your dressing room wants them your captain has specifically asked for him and you know, he can fit anywhere between the right side with Quinn Hughes all the way down to the third pair. And of course, as we always said about Tanif when he was here amongst the lowest maintenance players, you will ever have to deal with. Yeah. All he does is show up for work with his hard hat and his lunch pail, eat pucks all day long and never complain. What's interesting to me about this uh, recent flare-up in the story that Quinn Hughes has asked for Tanev by name. That's not news. That wasn't news. That came out in early November, I want to say, that Quinn Hughes had done that, which is unbelievable that Quinn Hughes, from the start of the season, basically, has been saying, if you can, bring that guy back. And that was before you know Quinn Hughes even knew truly how good this team was. They were still just off to the quote-unquote hot start at that point. So they're, Quinn Hughes is pining for Chris Tanev. It goes back weeks and months. Well, uh, it was absolutely beloved. And, yeah. and, you know, we heard many stories over the years that when Chris Tanev was a veteran Vancouver Canuck and you started seeing a young Swede come in like Elias Pettersson, a young guy like Quinn Hughes, even going back to the Brock Besser days, that he was kind of like dad. He would bring them to the house and let's have dinner or let's watch, you know, the NFL games on an off day Sunday or whatever the case was, or take him out for dinner around town. That he was very much a mentor figure yeah. to a bunch of these young Vancouver Canucks. Now, Tanev has a 10 team no trade list, so he can guide the proceedings with Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames management group and Kessler Ryan on how to do that. Well, yeah. but he had a full no trade. So it's a little easier to do, or was it a no move with guests? I, f- I forget, but um, 
it's 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 a lot easier to do that way. But you know, and we've heard these stories over the years as well from agents and players that if you really want to go to a certain spot, then you submit a trade list with all the other would be suitors, and you can effectively force your manager's hand or at least make it more likely. The top four teams in each conference, yeah, the, all the ones trying to beef up, right. Yeah, you're not you're not, you're not gonna like put Boston, Winnipeg, you know the Rangers, or you look at teams that have Edmonton, like- you know those sorts of teams on the no trade yeah. list, and of course, I certainly hope the National Hockey League has figured this out, given the uh, Dodonov cluster. There is always a little bit of when are these lists actually due? Can they be changed? updated updated what have you so anyways we'll see where the chris tanif sweepstakes go uh there's even uh speculation out of calgary that this could happen very quickly here uh following the elias lindholm trade for the flames needless to say a organization in transition now after making do you buy jim rutherford is everywhere yesterday mm-hmm do you buy the claim that they want to now let things simmer for a little I do. while? I do. I do. Um, first and foremost, it's going to be hard to make another big f- piece fit cap-wise. Yeah. They got 1.8 officially right, right now. So you're probably going to have to have your trade partner retain money, which, as we know, usually just ups the acquisition price. You're going to have to pay more if the other team is retaining up to 50% of the salary. Um, also, because I think it's quite sensible to add another depth forward, add another depth defenseman, and call it a day. Yeah. I mean, a guy, so like, I, a guy like a Nick Seeler that you talked about, I mean, you can add that guy today. Yeah. But, you know, less impactful than a Chris Tanner. No, no. Yeah. Needless, uh, needless to say, although places a similar game. So, you know, do I think the Canucks are looking at these sorts of players and would like to add them now. Yep. Of course, it takes two to tango, and I think you're also going to have some teams that are sellers who are going to hope to squeeze the buyers and make them wait till deadline or close to and see if they can you know, exact their price and leverage that fear of loss that we see each and every year at the National Hockey League trade deadline. It's All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Team Hughes is now Team Canuck after the player draft. I threw that out as a joke when they all got on. Hey, they should just draft them all on one team. That would make for a great thing. They did it. They did it. Well, and the discussion, the clip they show, well, then we can trade for Millsy. I love that. (laughs) But we say all the Canucks. Well, that's all the Canucks who have played a game for the Vancouver Canucks. True Canucks. Because Elias Lindholm is now a Vancouver Canuck. And he is not on Team Hughes at the All-Star game. Are you more interested now, given that you have all the connect? Does that make it more competitive that you now have all the pre-existing All-Star Canucks on one team? You know what? Um, I didn't think I would say this, but uh, no, it doesn't. It it really doesn't. (laughs) I said that. Like, I I tweeted that out. Hey, Team Hughes should just, you know, be Canucks versus the world. Uh-huh. It's still not going to be enough to to capture my imagination. I lasted in the live broadcast a minute and a half of the draft. Oh, 
Um, that was tough television, and that is no fault to really anybody. It's just the exercise. So you're done with player drafts then at the All Star Game? Is that where you're? Well, telling people me? are starting to show the um, the antique footage now. Why did it look so antique uh, of the last draft with the stage and Kessel and Duffy and and in front of the live studio audience mm-hmm. that was well lubricated, shall we say, Bowie chanting "Leaf suck." That looked like more fun. And I don't remember watching that one at all, but well, I remember watching that one. And of course, that was when Brendan Shanahan was back in the NHL offices and had pushed for it. And that's the reason it came back is with the Leafs hosting the game. Shanahan wanted to see his idea repackaged. Well, I think mean, McDavid had something to do with that too, um, asking for the, the the changes as well. But um, was it less cringy back then than, it, than yesterday's was? Both have a cringe element. It's, it's, yeah. you know, uh, there was a great, let's see if I can find it, a great quote um, about the NHL and some of its ideas uh, from Acting the Fuleman, um a sat- satirical uh, follow. Every gimmick the NHL does is like, quote, we have an interesting idea, but we fixed it so the interesting parts are taken out. Oh. And that's what it feels like. It like a lot of NHL ideas look great on paper, and then upon execution, and then upon execution, it's just well, like mm. and in part because in this case you need player buy-in, and you effectively need the players to be performers. Yes, like they you uh, know they almost need to be comedians. They certainly have to drop the guard, and that is very difficult to do with live cameras going. Yeah. We know hockey culture. We know it's not about that. Okay. So then let me ask you this. The skills competition. You've got Quinn Hughes in the fastest skater group. The one-timers competition. You have Elias Patterson and JT Miller involved there. The passing competition. You have Miller, Patterson, and Hughes involved with that part of shot you've got pd and jt there stick handling you have hughes and Pedersen, and then shooting accuracy you have miller and hughes any of these specific events at all-star game with the canucks there is curiosity from me there the problem is having to watch the show and not know when all these things are happening. Well, we, I have the list of, of, of it's fastest skater, one timers, passing, hardest shot, stick handling, yeah. accuracy. I also have the list of in order of when they're competing. So does that change it for you? PD is the first one up on one timers. Okay. Okay. I mean, it, yeah, perhaps Hughes is the first one up on stick handling. Then you have to suffer through uh, eight other names. The funny thing is, is there's a part- and of course, these are all the best of the best here. Yeah, more on that with Frank Saravelli, but you know we're 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 not talking about the Chicago Blackhawks All Star thrown into this. Yeah, no Frank Vitrano, I don't think. No, Vitrano is not participating for yeah. the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, Scott Hardo. <laughs> It's an not, old show joke. Some people will get it somewhere. Not all, all stars are created equal. No. This is the top no. of the top. 
well, let's explain it. Blake, what Blake's one at Blake once upon a time asked, like, is the CEO of MasterCard really that jacked about meeting Scott Hartnell? Yeah. Because people were saying, hey, it's a corporate schmooze. Yeah. Like, how, how amped up are you to meet Scott Hartnell? Mm-hmm. All due respect. All right. Um, <laughs> you can say anything and then say all due respect afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of the get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some, uh, of course, we're live on YouTube. Uh, we have some uh, questions, comments being asked here with regards to the, uh, well, what we're about to talk about here and the acquisition of Elias Lindholm. So, uh, and we covered this on Wednesday's pod to some degree. Want to get a little deeper, deeper into it. When you look at the profile of this player, a top two centerman, right-handed, a face-off winner, a shutdown matchup guy, a penalty killer, a power play guy who doesn't want to be the orchestrator with the puck on his stick, wants mm. to be the finisher, a guy who needs a playmaking winger to be everything that he can be offensively. That 42-goal season came with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau on his wings. Hasn't had that recently. And look, he's a nine-goal scorer right now. He's won more than Andre Kuzmanko. But when you look at the profile of the player, the fact that Rutherford drafted him fifth overall back in 2013, and to me, this is the key part. Rutherford and Alvin were not exactly cautious with their intentions at this trade deadline. They let the entire hockey world know that they were going to get a top six forward, and then they landed the big prize centerman on January 31st not March 8th. That is a boss move. And the other thing, and I'm sure uh, Lindholm appreciates, while he may be busy at All-Star Game, they make this trade not in the midst of the schedule. He'll probably have some time to move his stuff here. Like, not personally. Yeah, have those around him. Have somebody. Right. That's why you have best friends. Do you mind moving all my stuff from Calgary? (laughs) Hey, it's a short flight. Not a lot there. Um, you know, for all those wondering about the future of Elias Lindholm and what his cap hit will be, I mean, I, I'm going to guess it's got an eight or a nine in front of it. It's a, it's for sure eight. With the yeah. cap going up and his track record, it's for sure eight. Um, but as a 29-year-old guy, mm-hmm. uh, now just turned 29, I, I'm still, you know, he's turning 30 in the first year of this new contract. Boy. Kind of like JT Miller. Yeah, you got, and you've already got JT yeah. Miller as that guy where you're sort of only paying him for the first three years and then you're mm-hmm. holding, crossing your fingers. So I don't think the Canucks can do that. Well, so let's look at it this way. You and I have talked about in the past, Elias Pedersen and uh, Philip Pronick. And I think together you're looking at about 20 million, maybe a shade over. You think maybe a shade under. Fair enough. Is it fair to say that if you are endeavoring to resign all three, it's Patterson, Hronick, and Lindholm in the $27 million range? Oh, for sure. I think you're at least there. I I, I go 12 to for Patterson, 7-7 seven, seven for Ronick, and then and then um and then if we're if we're saying eight, yeah, and eight and a half, yeah, you're you're just over that. Right. So, right now, Canucks showing about fifty million in cap space, 
for next year. Yeah. That would eat up more than half. But because of the Andre Kuzmenko subtraction, it's a little more tolerable, right? Yeah, subtraction of Myers potentially mm-hmm. in in full. Well, Bluger, Lafferty, Joshua. Don't think we're looking at as a door off resigning now, no. but having to replace Myers and Zadoroff, let's play it out that way. Ian Cole and Casey DeSmith or someone like that. Well, back of Cole. It's going to leave you about 24 million for all that. That's, I think that's doable. You're going to have to make, you're going to have to be as good on the fringes of the roster as you were this past year, though, mm-hmm. to maintain the quality. Well, and, and like they hit a home run with all these one year deals. Right. And, and, and one, and that's good and bad. Good and because bad. Because listening yeah. to Patrick Alvin upon his extension the other day, there was very much a message there about, wow, look at all these guys like Ian Cole and Teddy Bluger bet on themselves on one year deals with the Vancouver Canucks. That's right. And how they're working out, which is great for the Vancouver Canucks. It's just more difficult for Alvin and Rutherford to get these guys. It's great for the now. Re-sign. It's less great so, for the future. You know, do you walk away from some of these guys who might think, oh, well, coming off my great season, I'm a little more expensive and perhaps rightfully so. And as you say, then have to be great on the margins again and find another class of those players, or do you just pay the piper on some of those players? And that it may very well be a combination of both. Jesse in the comments on YouTube says Lindholm only has 32 points. You're trying to you know bring down that price. Right. Reputationally, he's still got that 40 goal campaign, not too far removed from. Um, but I do hear you, Jesse. So here's here's the the quandary now for a Canuck fan that is dreaming of Lindholm remaining as a Vancouver Canuck. What are you hoping for the rest of the way? Like what, yeah, what if, I mean, if he works out, if here, he works it's only going to strengthen his case. Right. So, like, you got to be careful what you wish for here. If he explodes alongside Pedersen, he's but, easily. That you know, age. the one the one thing is ringing in my ears, though, and has been since the trade on Wednesday, is what Ferraro always always says: because a guy scores forty two goals does not make him a forty goal scorer. No. And if you take a look at the Elias Lindholm tracking, it's one time at forty two goals. In fact, hasn't cracked thirty in any other season it's one time as a point per game player 82 and 82 although he got close with 78 one year uh back in 2018 in a very different season which he did with assists not goals the the most important thing when we talk about Lindholm and what he can get number one supply and demand there will not be a lot of first or second line centers available in free agency those players don't typically get to free agency. And when they do, they typically initiate bidding wars because there are so many teams that don't have that on their team, don't yeah. feel comfortable with their top two centermen and are willing to pay the price. And then number two, with this cap going up as it is and the first significant jump in a number of years, that is going to put more money in the pockets of general managers. And their long history is that they tend to spend it. Not to mention the fact these agents are pretty damn good and they find a million and one ways to negotiate why a player is worth something. And in this case, and I think you'll hear this phrase a lot this summer and heading into this summer, percentage of the cap. That, oh, Elias Lindholm at 8 million may sound really, really rich, rich, 
but look at it as a percentage of the cap compared to what yeah. 8 million would have been this year when teams were allowed to spend less. So yeah, uh, he is going to be difficult to resign. He's going to be expensive to resign. I don't think there's any world where you're going to get a hometown discount for a guy you've just added this year past the halfway point. I mean, could be wrong. He might absolutely fall head over heels gaga for Vancouver and love the Canucks and, and want to stay here long term. It's a possibility. But I think for the most part, you're looking at an expensive free agent to sign because I think, you know, he is going to be amongst the best free agents available. Look at the list of potential yeah. UFAs now. Know that a lot of those big names will probably resign between now and July 1st. He's probably less likely to resign than others because he's in a new environment and is, as one would suspect, going to take some time to, to evaluate his new digs. We did talk about a Wednesday, though, Blake. It is sort of sly, low-key insurance in case Elias Pettersson wants to go somewhere else that you have another top-two center in the fold that you could resign and resign with for significantly less dollars. But he, we, not walking, like you're getting returned well, from course you are. too. You're making a trade there. Yeah. Uh, if, again, if it comes to pass, and that Rutherford and Naveen are in a position where they have to consider this. And I know Elias hasn't indicated in the least that he wants out or doesn't want to resign here. The problem is he hasn't exactly strongly indicated or indicated in any way that he wants to stay. So he's meeting with his representatives here at the all-star break. Nobody seems to think that this meeting is going to generate a new environment where suddenly Pedersen wants to negotiate reading between the, down the stretch. Reading between the lines of what Rutherford and Alvin have said of late, it sounds like they are uh, pressuring not the player, but the agents and saying, come on, what's going on here? They, they've, like, they've said, you know, do you have any anticipation of signing him before the season ends? As a year? And and they're, they, they said, we'll see. We're, you know, obviously we're anxious to, to bring him back, but, you know, but like, well, it, they're not saying emphatically, no, it's not going to happen. So, so there, they're holding out hope. There's a dynamic here that's at play that we don't typically see a lot of, particularly in hockey. The agents work for the player, but a large majority of the time, the agent will chart the strategic course on the contract and the player will say, yep, sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. What seems to have revealed itself this year, given what Brisson has said, given the fact that there was a meeting earlier in the season between Brisson and Alvin, is that the agents are a little bit perplexed by all this. The agents would like to negotiate it, yeah. and in part because they very much work on a bird in the hand, bird in hand, better than two in the book. Liz, they're willing to give you $12 million plus right here today. You're healthy, all you have it's to a do blank is check. you're healthy, it's a blank so you you anyways it's it's an odd one uh of course elias is a different cat he marches to his own drumbeat and his most recent comment on this is still is wait till the end of the season i didn't see his full scrum from all-star game i know the canucks did not post his they posted other player scrums from all-star games so you know, I'm sure he was asked about it. There is some talk around it, around him in Toronto. But 
I suppose the good news is that given the Canucks have made a huge trade and incidentally beating out the Boston Bruins on this one, Bruins wanted Lindholm as well, but they wanted an extension done in conjunction. Didn't happen. Uh, given that the Canucks have made a big trade, given there's now been a second big trade with this Winnipeg Sean Monaghan deal, we'll get to that in a second. Given that NHL players are going back to the Olympics and doing a Four Nations tournament next year, not to mention the World Junior Scandal of 2018, it's not exactly menu item A for the national media. Patterson's contract. No, and, and and there was a lot of speculation that in a quieter week. Mm-hmm. It would have been, and that you know the national media would have been, oh, or the international sure. media for that matter, would have been all up in his grill about why he doesn't have a contract because they were poised to do the very same thing for Willie Nylander, of course. Well, uh, you're right; it's it's item eight now on the to do list, if if that. So, um, I'm sure Elias Pedersen is very happy with that. He was on the same dais as Lindholm, so Lindholm got a lot of questions and um, stole a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, attention there as well, which I'm sure. Patterson was was just fine with as well. Um, and, you know, ultimately, they, they, you know, I think for a Canuck fan, though, the plus side is I think there's some team bonding happening out there on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, having the, the full Canuck team as, a, as an all-star team, um, I think is all really good for the long-term outlook of Patterson as a Vancouver Canuck. I think it's, I think we're seeing a bit of a rehabilitation of the relationship between Patterson and Miller a little bit this season. Um, they were exchanging some um, some nice moments um, yesterday as well at the event. So, you know, I, I think it, you know from what we have to go on, it still looks promising. There's still enough uh, gaps there that you'd like to have filled that takes that gives you still a little bit of concern. But ultimately, I mean, if the Canucks make it to the final, if they won two playoff rounds, how many players? with very few players over the age of 30 mm-hmm. consequential, how many players are walking away from that? You, you've got to really not like the situation with the team mm-hmm. for, for you to thumb your nose at a younger or youngish core. They're not a young core anymore, but they're youngish core and see success and say, no, I'm ready for. Well, for and, and that's why I wonder, uh, you know, the prevailing theories that if he doesn't want to stay here, it's either, Damage done. He's gone through so much shit here with this organization that Maybe. was totally avoidable. Or number two, that he just doesn't relish the fishbowl of a Canadian market and wants to go somewhere quieter where he's more anonymous, where his every word, his every move is not scrutinized like it is in a place like Vancouver that is so thirsty, of course, for a Stanley Cup. We should also mention, since you talked about winning two rounds, the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick to Calgary. If that should happens. the Canucks win, and they get the choice of which is better. Yeah. yeah, and um, if it doesn't, and it is a fourth round pick, then the Calgary Flames get the choice between the New Jersey Devils selection, which was acquired for Curtis Lazar, or the Canucks selection at this 2024 NHL entry draft. I'm going to give you a. I was so ready for Canucks to be snubbed at the All-Star game. Remember we were having the conversation, oh, so many Canucks are deserving, but how many are actually going to go? Yeah, surprise. There was part of me, because you bring up the fact that there uh, seems to be some team bonding there, and that's fantastic. I was wondering at one point, 
boy, if they're all snubbed, might that put the bit between their teeth, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. You don't think we're all stars? We'll show you. Uh, particularly down the stretch. Well, the same thing. The I had Cup the same playoffs. thought with regards to the skills competition. I, I almost thought it might be better if they got snubbed from the all-star game <laughs> instead of inflating the egos, it might serve as some motivation. But I almost wonder the same thing about the skills competition is, is, you know, might they, tr- might they actually try in the skills competition because maybe they still feel a little unseen by mm-hmm. national and international media. Like, their first place in the NHL, do they feel like they're being treated right like first place players from the first place team? Uh, um, boy, save it for yeah, save you're right. it for April. Save the, the grievances for April, not the skills competition. <laughs> Did want to get to this Andre Kuzmenko, who was an absolute joy. He was the bright light of what was a very dark season for the Vancouver Canucks last year. Uh and, and tr- true to form gets on his social media channels. And did you see this? What mm-hmm. he posted uh, to Canucks fans? Thank you very much for the unconditional love and support. I will never forget how you welcomed me into the NHL for the rest of my life. He waved his no trade clause, Blake, to facilitate this deal, which is more good work from Alvin and Rutherford, knowing that this this had to happen. Uh, we'll, won't soon forget 39 goals and all that joy from a guy who came over here, didn't necessarily speak the language, but did his best to try and communicate with all of us. If they could all be personality-wise and engagement-wise like Andre Kuzmenko, boy, the league would be in a better place. Yeah, so many so many guys that come over uh, from Europe too, English is a second language, they uh, they just shun the spotlight. Philip Ronick, for instance, right. just does not do media because he doesn't want to have to do media, even though he speaks fine, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Kuzmenko just said, I don't no, care. I don't no, care. Exactly. I don't, I don't, like, I'll, I'm going to muddle my way through this. Right. It was great. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and, and I look, and I think that's why he had so many fans on board. Yeah. Like last year, we were looking at him going, oh my God, look what they could get for him on the trade market. This is a high scoring guy making damn near the league minimum. Yeah. I mean, you could get a haul for this guy. And yet, every time we asked the market, Canucks fans, like, no, we want this guy to be a part of our future. So much so, Blake, I, I think, frankly, it influenced Canucks management because Tockett was already here, right? They I had still, already had a snapshot of Kuzmenko yeah. with Tockett and still chose to re-sign him. I still, uh, if I'm Canucks management, I don't have the regret about not trading him last year. To me, a 39-goal scorer, it was worth it to see if Rick Tockett could change it. Hey, not all gambles are won. That was a gamble that I think it was worth, given his age, that was a gamble worth taking if I'm the Vancouver Canucks. I don't begrudge them for that one. Um, It didn't work out. That's off to Frank Cervelli. He's going to join us here. But when he wrote a couple weeks ago that Sean Monaghan was going to fetch a first-round pick, a lot of people scoffed. A lot of people thought, really? For that player? It was a well-researched piece looking at the deadline market for centermen, especially centermen who were either cost-controlled or on low salaries or had money retained, right? And sure enough, the Winnipeg Jets answered the Vancouver Canucks trade for Elias Lindholm by swinging a deal for Sean Monaghan out of Montreal today, giving up a first-round pick and a conditional third. 
um, your thoughts on the deal. And um, what I love about it, we've got Western Canadian teams loading up. I, I didn't. Stanley I Cup. didn't think the Jets would load up. They have in the past, guys like Stastny. They've brought mm-hmm. in for um, you know with the old core. So I, I, maybe I shouldn't have been skeptical, but um, well, he's turned into a trader now, Sheveldale. He has. He went forever without actually trading a roster player, and now what? he's one of the more active general managers in the league. What was it like six years without a warm body being traded for, or something like Not that? Sure it was that long. something ridiculous? But. Um, you know what? To me, it's a. It's a I thought it was a fair deal when when Frank came up with that story. I thought, given the production of Monahan, given he's a bigger body, and yeah, there's some injury concerns and stuff. Uh, I suppose, but you know, if it's a 25th overall pick, I I don't think you're wincing at that. It's you know that to me, that's just the price of doing business for a guy that can play down the middle and on the wing. That being said, when you view that trade through the prism of the Lindholm trade. And the potential for more production, I think, from a guy who's more recently been elite in in Lindholm and a guy that is more recently, again, proven to be a two-way player. Um, I, again, I, I don't think you bristle at the price for Lindholm. I, I think both are just the price of doing business in today's National Hockey League world. So, hey, commend the Jets for pulling it off. And and getting a guy that they need to add to their depth, and I, I think it's sort of it's a feather in the cap of of the kind of management group of see you're paying that for that, you know our well, our price is reasonable, and this is why you move early as well. Yep, because they you got get their choice of guys. They got their guy. Like so, there are now teams who were in on Lindholm, and we're in on Monahan. They're holding a bag. Who are going? Yeah. Okay. Where are we getting our centerman? I guess it's. Are we Adam going Henrique? Kevin Hayes? Yeah. Adam, Adam Henrique. And how good are you feeling about paying? Like, if you don't get salary retention, which I think Anaheim has to with Henrique, but like Henrique's cap hit mm-hmm. is enormous for oh, what you nice. for what you get out of him. Yeah. I like. Yep. Hey, I if the Canucks get fifty percent retention, would I take it out of Henrique? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But. You're a lot less excited about it than you are picking up a guy like Lindholm or even a guy like Monahan, given right. the season he's having. So you're scrambling for a guy who is maybe your B choice, maybe your C choice. Yeah. And you may actually have to pay proportionally more in trade cost to get him yeah. than the player you hoped to get. I just think about, you know, day one, and, and thankfully we are a handful of days away from the Canucks being back in action here. Um you know, when the Canucks were throwing Kuzmenko out there and he'd avoided a healthy scratch more recently, mm-hmm. you still, it was kind of a hope and a prayer that he was going to end well, up on the stat sheet. I don't think you're going to have that feeling with Lindholm in the lineup. No. Well, and the other thing here, Blake, is I think you, I think another, I think another compelling reason to make this deal now and to want to be the early mover is. Could you have afforded five more weeks of Andre Kuzmenko, not on the score sheet, maybe healthy scratch, and maybe the cost players? Yeah. The players' asset value was somewhat diminished, but they didn't let it fall off the table. Yeah, and I think that was very, very important. We had talked about it for a while. How much is he worth? I still thought he was an asset. I still thought there were teams that would view him as an asset. I'm not sure the ins and outs of Ryan Huska's system in Calgary, but if he went there and scored goals. I would not be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and frankly, um, the, I'm sure there were teams out there who looked at and went, 
this guy can help our club score goals or at the very least on the power play and we need to be better on the power play. there's a lot of i be- think you got right to the edge in terms of getting teams that were looking at kuzmenko as a predatory addition and and, and instead we're able to move him as an asset as part of a package a lot of teams are meat and potatoes and lacking skill um i i thought chicago should have been in on it um but yeah Good for good for the Flames and pulling it off. We should get to a couple of the other things on this busy week. Uh, Kings have a new coach. Um, do, is there any push from the Kings up from the bottom? Do the can in, I think the Canucks are pretty uh, home and clear from the from the Kings? But is there a uh, a push from the bottom for the Kings? Well, at fifty six points, fifteen I, points I, yeah. back as we speak. So I'll, I'll put this out there just because Jacob Markstrom may well be available. You see Saros. May well be available. You've got Mark Andre Fleury and Jake Allen who are out there on the trade market already. If they stabilize their goaltending, I can see the Kings. And look, most teams here that have fired their coaches this year have gotten a new coach bounce. Yeah, right? that, yeah. I, I think Ottawa's, in fact, the only team that hasn't really, you know, I think they're 500 or just something below. like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you get a new coach bounce, if you're able to make a deal for a goaltender, then I think you got a chance of LA getting back into this where we look at them as a dangerous playoff opponent. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to the level of where the Canucks are, where the Oilers are, where the Jets are, or Colorado, but in a Dallas Stars kind of vein, which is kind of how we were looking at them earlier in the season. They I just think. have to win at home. Their road record is 15, 6, and 4. Oh, I know. At home, we talked about eight, it. nine, and six. They're appall- appalling. They're the only. Um, at, at one point, we we looked at it, Blake. They were the only team above the playoff bar with less than double digit home wins. Still the case. The only winning team, the only team above five hundred overall that is below yeah. five hundred at home. Well, Columbus, Anaheim, and San Jose are the only three other teams that have fewer than. 10 minutes at home. That's not company you want to be sharing. That's not playoff team company. No. So uh, not to mention the fact, and who knows where this goes now, but Arthur Kaliev is a pretty good young prospect. He's on Saravelli's trade board. That was because McClellan had no use for him and was scratching him. So I don't know how the new coach Hiller is going to feel about him, but you know, LA does have the ability for number one. I think some internal improvement with some of their young players under this coach. And number two, the ability to go out, get a goaltender, stabilize that position, and then start winning more games, particularly in con- uh, conjunction with the new coach bounce. All right, let's get to today's menu. It is brought to you by Seagram's VO Select Canadian Whiskey, originally introduced back in 1900. Seagram's VO was designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram, where his son barrels were set aside in the warehouse specifically marked. V oh very own the family's very own. Did you know I that? Got it. I did not know what that I meant. did not know that until I no. saw this. Seagram's VO select Canadian whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. And the Nation Network podcasts are live from the Seagram's VO whiskey studio at Sponsorship X on Friday here today at the NHL All-Star Game. We're gonna talk to Sarah Velli. Uh, on one sense, we put him on blast for the best 11 players plus JT Miller. On another sense, we 
from a bouquet on the Sean Monahan prediction. We talk Lindholm, we talk Tanif, we talk Zadorov. That's an odd one. These rumors about Zadorov. Uh, NHL players are going back to the Olympics. There's a new international tournament starting, a Four Nations tournament starting. The Four Nations face off, face off, face off. In 2025, in lieu of an all star game, we'll get to some hashtags. The best and worst of Twitter. You folks have plenty to say, so we're doing to the people. John Shannon's going to join as well on the Lindholm deal. And we also go back in time. The best Canadian Olympic teams. Well, we sort of get on a get off on a tangent. It's a good tangent there. Go listen to 2002 Salt Lake City, 2010 Vancouver. 2014 Sochi, all of them Canadian gold medal winning Olympic teams. Which one is best? And frankly, if we were doing this for reals, I would have needed some more time to research yeah, everything. No, I didn't do that either. But you know, you just look at the names and you go, who's better? Who's better? We're gonna get a chance, everybody, to line up another Canadian Olympic team alongside these champions. And have a further comparison. This one finally including Connor McDavid, and I suspect including Connor Bedard as well. Yeah. When we're ready to go to Milan Cortina. Does Bedard play in the Four Nations face off already? Oh, I think I, so. I would think so. Yeah. 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 He's that good. Uh, all right. Let's get to our best bets. A presentation going forward of sports interaction, your homegrown sports book. And Casino, Matt, what do you have well, in your docket? I've already started peeking at the Super Bowl props. And while Patrick Mahomes is the favorite for Super Bowl MVP, you're still getting a decent price there at 225 So I'm going to get in early on the chalky favorite, which I don't like doing per se. You know, I like to be a little bit more B-sides and deep cuts on my picks. But how do you give up Patrick Mahomes at two and a quarter there value-wise? Give me Pat Mahomes to win another Super Bowl MVP. Look at you getting way out ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the footy on the weekend. It's uh, Bayern versus Motion Gladbach. That is a former Sports Center anchor pronunciation right there, Blake Price. Uh, I don't even know if it's right. Alfonso <laughs> Davies scored last game out. He opened his account for the season last weekend. Does he? Uh, it was a really nice, really nice goal. Slotted home from distance. Well, he's got Real Madrid eyes to impress here, Blake. Does he feel like he's uh, needing to push forward a little bit? If he does it again, a back-to-back game, 750 on Davies to score. How about that? Uh, sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino featuring custom props and parlays you won't find anywhere else. Speaking directly to a Vancouver sports fan. Plus a best-in-class casino with thousands of games and live dealers. If you scan the code you see there, you get a 200% welcome bonus from Securus and Price. So check it out. Sports action. Bet local. Must be 19 years of age. Please play responsibly. Frank Cervelli coming up next. Joined now by NHL insider of the Frankly Speaking podcast and daily face-off, the one and only Frank Cervelli from All-Star Game in Toronto. How are we doing? Pretty good. Uh, it's been a really, really busy day, so uh, yes. lots more on the go. And it's, uh, I can't believe all these trades. Uh, guys are dropping like flies on my trade targets board. 
Yeah. The NHL used to hate business being conducted this week, but do they hate it? I mean, this is causing a lot of buzz. Well, I also think they probably like a lot of buzz and news being dumped on a day that the commissioner and the NHLPA executive director may be getting grilled over a sexual assault scandal. Right. There's that as well. Okay, we're going to put you on blast in a second, and then we're going to throw you a bouquet. But here's the big uh, trade for the Vancouver Canucks, Elias uh, Lindholm, Elias Lindholm. Um, what did you make of it from a Vancouver perspective? I, I think they're probably jumping for joy knowing that they're getting an impact piece that when you think about what they didn't have to give up, uh, how many times did I say you cannot trade LeCara Mackey at, at any point? You keep your top prospect. Your pick this year is a late one. You have probably an outside chance to keep Lindholm. And the rest of the pieces, once they move on from LeCara Mackey, it's almost like you're breathing a sigh of relief where you're saying, okay, take anyone else that you want, any of these guys that are more or less hope bets, and that's great. We're well positioned now to chase the Stanley Cup, and we still have our top prospect in, in the fold. And you may well have insurance in case Elias Pettersson wants to move on to greener pastures. I, huh? what do you, I don't no? look into that you're, at all. You're not buying that? No. I Look, I, I understand the angst on Pettersson. I really do. And I, I also get that if this were, and I don't want to say any other market, but I would say in your market in particular, everyone seems to be walking on pins and needles on a daily basis, even while your team's atop the Western Conference. They need something to be nervous about. And I get it. But I don't have any indication at all that Pedersen is not going to be a Vancouver Canuck for a long time. Yes, like the Canucks, like the fan base, I don't have any evidence. I don't see anything, no pen to paper or anything like that. But I, I, I can't imagine that they're thinking that way when it comes to Lindholm because as good of a player as he is, he's, he's just not, no one is Pedersen. Okay, with or without Pedersen, what do you think the chances are he'll resign here? What is, what's the cost range on this player, Frank? Because... In moving Kuzmenko, they open up $5.5 million from next year's cap. It's expensive. It's There was lots of talk in Calgary in the preseason that Lindholm was looking for a number that started with a nine. And even if it's in the eights, I, I, don't, I just don't see a path for the Canucks to be able to afford that. Maybe there's some other surgery done. Maybe he's so good and fits so well that you have no choice but to make other moves in order to make something like that happen. But with Pedersen's new deal that he's owed with the next deal for Philip Hronick, which I continued to pound my fist on the table and say that that's a number that starts with an eight. I just don't see the math isn't mathing for me. Flames fans seem pretty happy with the deal too. And so did Conroy did, you know, the people that we've, you've been rubbing shoulders with this week, does it seem like a fair deal? Is it just a, a hockey trade? Yeah. It's one of those deals that I think is kind of, and then to hear Craig Conroy and the way that he went about business, it's refreshing in the sense that I don't think anyone here was trying to, quote, win the deal, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. This is a deal that works for both sides. The Flames get a lot in return. Some of them are lottery tickets. Like, I think as intrigued as, you know, Canucks fans might have been about a Hunter Bruskevich, like, to me, um, the points that he's piled up in Kitchener this year are probably not a really good indicator of future success at an NHL level. So, um you know, but it's worthy. It's a worthy gamble if you're the Flames and you get the first round pick. And and I think the big linchpin to all of this, which is no surprise, is Kuzmenko. You guys 
and, and you saw it firsthand last year with the 39 goals and 74 points. There's something there. But to drag that out of him on a consistent basis, the Flames needed pieces for the here and now. They need pieces for two to three years from now. And Kuzmenko could very well be one of those guys. And yep. that's another reason why they had to make sure and, and get the comfort from him in order to pull something like this off. Do you have anything on the next step on on Chris Tanev? Is 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 that likely? I know every it's an easy dot co- to connect here from a Vancouver perspective, but how realistic is it? We're still in Vancouver. Yeah, back to Vancouver, yes. No, yeah. I, I mean, look, it's possible. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I would say that it's probably not likely, um, because if it were, and look, there's probably some wisdom from the Flames' perspective to say, hey. Um, we're probably better off getting more for this guy separately than as part of a package. But if they were going to do it, why wouldn't they have just done it in one shot? And well, I don't, I don't have any evidence that that, that was the case that he was included in the deal. That was my next question. Do you know whether or not he was talked about in a bigger deal with Lindholm? But I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, all-star skills, the 11 best players in the world, plus JT Miller. Frank Saravelli, you <laughs> defend like yourself that? because Canuck Nation is angry with you, my friend. <laughs> Why? I love I, I love Canucks Army, and uh, I love the whole crew there. Um, I'm one of your biggest supporters. Who who else but me who was else? out there saying this mm. team is a firm playoff team in September? Mm-hmm. Tell me, who else came to Vancouver? And I, said defended, that? I defended I defended you online in this, Frank. I said honestly, this is the guy that actually was predicting the Canucks to be good this year. So yeah. and this wasn't your opinion, correct? That you were quoting somebody else that you saw, you had heard, right? I was quoting someone else that I had heard, but I have since adopted it as my own because it ah. is true. It is the eleven best players in the world plus JT Miller, and and look, I, I love Miller, and and this year, you know, watching him, he's been outstanding, but. He's probably not in that category. Uh, here's the bouquet we're going to throw you. Yeah. Sean Monahan goes for a first round pick. Take a deep bow, Frank Saravelli, because you had this called a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, shortly after the trade was completed, I had actually gotten a call from one of the the managers that helped do the trade, and he said, "Sir, do you feel vindicated?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "A little bit. Yeah. I mean." I took a lot of heat on social media saying that Sean Monahan was going to get a first, and that's okay. And I don't, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's also just reading the market. Seasons change, players change, but you can really go back in history and dig through more or less what these players get on a year to year basis. And the way the cap works with him not having to have salary retained and making a third essentially of what Adam Henrique is. As soon as Lindholm was off the table, I don't want to say it guaranteed the first-round pick for Montreal because that, that's certainly not the case, but it really put them in a strong, strong position to say, just give us one late first-round pick, no salary retention, and we'll make it happen. Were the Jets answering the Lindholm trade? Were they saying, oh, God, the, the, the Canucks just got better, we have to as well? Um, I mean, I'd, it'd be so attractive or sexy to say look at this western canadian arms race right totally totally uh i think what it did is it's not so much matching the canucks the way i look at it is the center market was changing rapidly and with lindholm off the board and the number of teams that are left looking for centers 
it's either get Monahan, get Henrique, or find a way to be really creative and start prying loose from non-playoff teams some players that have term left on their deal. And if not for those things, you're going to be left holding a bag at the center position. And I think the Winnipeg Jets, with the way Monaghan plays, is a perfect fit. They wanted to make sure they get their guy. Uh, do you, were the Jets in on Lindholm then? Do you know? I think they were one of the teams that had contacted, yes. Yeah. And you spelled it all out on the Monaghan piece. Cop, Goodrow, Stastny, they went for roughly a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, uh, Depth. Do you anticipate the Vancouver Canucks are now focused on depth and where would that depth be or everywhere? I still think they're one defenseman away. I mean, you asked about Tanev. I think, look, they did such a good job rebuilding this defense over the last calendar year. But at varying points this year with the Susie injury and, you know, just being banged up from time to time, they've had to dig back into that well which is you're using replacement-level NHL players. And that's not a knock on the players that they've used. It's just that when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs and you know that you need eight good, solid, sturdy defensemen to make it through to the other end, you know you probably need to, to add one more piece. doesn't need to be a household name. doesn't even need to be expensive. Someone that you would feel really comfortable playing 23 playoff games with on your third pair if – the bullets start flying and your guys start dropping. Do you have any names for us? Do you know uh, who they might be sniffing around, if not Tanif? I don't think the Canucks need to spend that much. They got their big guy. I, I think you got you to gotta get creative and look around. I don't have a name off the top of my head. I would think that a player of the ilk skill set and availability of Nick Sealer would make so much sense for Vancouver. I think, you know, the reliability, the toughness, I could see um, an Alexander Carrier being a fit from Nashville. Um, you know, just someone that you, you, it's predictability that you want if you're Rick Tockett, that you know that if you have to use him, that you can rely on him. Let's talk about uh, the rare possibility of somebody leaving this team. Uh, if you're a betting man, I don't think Sports Interactions got this as a prop, but if you're a betting man, does Nikita Zadorov finish the season as a Vancouver Canuck? I think he does. Um, I understand the talk that's been out there. I think he hasn't been a great fit. He also hasn't been an awful fit. I yeah. think he's been just okay. Mm -hmm. And all things considered... I think if unless you're getting a real significant upgrade on Zadorov, that I think it makes sense to keep him for all the reasons that I just outlined. If not, you're kind of just filling and adding in one additional, you know, you're you're opening one hole to plug another. Yeah. Can you help us understand it more? Like, is he not fitting in the room? Is he unhappy here? Is he not what Tocket and Foot expected? It's just so know. odd to be hearing about his name and trade rumors on the way out so shortly after he's been acquired. I don't know. I, I really, I'm not in there. I wouldn't pretend to be. I haven't heard any rumblings about that. I've, I've seen some of the comments on social media and elsewhere. Um, but I, I can't say for sure one way or the right. other. Frank, lo and behold, NHL players are going back to the Olympics. 
despite uh, the uh, grave concerns about construction on the rink. And, uh, You're just going to skip right on past the Four Nation tournament? Are you kidding Cortina. me? You're going straight to the uh, Olympics. Okay. You know, one of these things is not like the yeah. other. Uh, great news on that front. What cinched the deal? Um, pressure from the NHLPA that they really – the NHL didn't have any wiggle room around this one. There's no excuse that you can make. You put in writing that you would put your – make your best faith effort to put your best players in the world on Olympic ice. You did that when you signed the CBA in 2020 during the pandemic. COVID is the reason why they didn't go to Beijing. And this time around 2026, 2030, you can squint a little bit and see in the, in the distance 2034 in Salt Lake city back in North America it makes sense, and, and I've said this before, and I want to be really consistent when I say it again. The fact that we have gone from 2014 to 2026 without true best-on-best best international competition, the fact that Connor McDavid will be halfway through his career and have never put on a Team Canada jersey in best-on-best best is not, it's not the lockouts. It's the biggest stain on Gary Bettman's resume. It's a chance to make some money at the Four Nations before, but is it also a chance for them to make sure the guys have played together with the with each other, at least on four of the teams, so that when they do hit the Olympics, it, they hit it you know in stride, having done it just a year previous? I don't think that's the motivation. I think it's, first off, it's way better than All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is they want to create some kind of consistent international play and so in between 2026 and 2030 and 2028 we're expected to have a full-blown world cup of hockey and this was sort of the appetizer to the entree where for geopolitical reasons they can't have russia in it my understanding is finland and sweden had said made it real clear to the nhl and the nhlpa that if russia's in we're out so you can't bring russia in and there's no real reason to go to six teams to try and play a round robin in a 10-day tournament. I actually kind of like it. And, and no offense to Sweden or Finland, which obviously you have some significant Canucks pieces represented um, and, and have been over the course of the franchise with Sweden. But I would have loved to have just seen Canada-USA seven-game series yeah. as opposed to trying to wedge in four nations, but that's just me being a little bit greedy. Yeah, no, um, I don't dispute that. And, uh, of course, there was money involved in this tournament. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah that was, uh, it's not uh, going to be gangbusters because of the format. How much, more I, money, how much more money would be in, in a U.S.-Canada seven-game series? Yeah, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe more, you're right. Uh, lastly, Frank, the L.A. Kings have fired their head coach, Todd McClellan. Uh, Jim Hiller taking over as the interim. Uh, you tell me, where are they going for a coach? And what's the next move for the Kings in terms of uh, deadline and contention? Getting back in this. Well, Jim Hiller is going to be the L.A. Kings coach for the remainder of the season. The team saying that in the release. So no uh, hiring around the corner. I think it's an interesting call. Hiller has, yes, he's been an assistant in the NHL for the last 10 years, so has certainly paid his dues. But I would say that um, for the Kings, really what this highlights for me, this is a guy that just got an extension before the season started. What it highlights is the pressure that Rob Blake and the Kings are under to really not just making the playoffs. That's not the bar. You've got to take a step forward, bowing out in the first round, 
two consecutive years to the Oilers. The first time they were like, okay, we arrived a bit ahead of schedule. The second time they were like, uh, you know, we, we ran into Connor McDavid. That excuse doesn't, it's no good the third time. And so now that they're on the fringes after a great start to the year of being in the wild card chase and, and now potentially being a non-playoff team, like their, their plan has been underway for a while. They've really got to show some results and they're in way better spots than some other teams that have been through a rebuilding path like they have, but they've still got to show some results. And, and I think McClellan on his way out is, is a real indicator of the pressure that they're feeling in LA. Fantastic stuff. Go enjoy all-star weekend. We'll catch up next Friday. See you guys. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Surrey has great deals on their three. I mean, these are the crown jewels, the Rogue, the Kashka, the electric Nissan Leaf. How about this for the Rogue? A 24 month lease, 0% on selected trims. Kashka, 36 month finance, 2.99%. What was this 10 years ago with the yeah. interest rates? Go check it out. Applewood Nissan in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood. I was at Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall earlier this week getting the QX60 uh, just uh, looked at. Scheduled uh, overview, maintenance. Shout out to Amber and the team there. They have a relaxation lounge. Mm-hmm. Big, beautiful recliner, dim lights. Damn near had a nap. Wow. I was so at ease. And before I knew it, off and back on the road. So thanks, everyone there. Poll question today. Should the Canucks trade a second-round pick and a prospect for Chris Tanneff? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. Let's get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. Blake Price, lead us off today, please. At Joe Pompliano, Lewis Hamilton will earn over $100 million per year at Ferrari, making him the highest-paid F1 driver ever. Ferrari chairman John Elkin will also put significant money towards Lewis Hamilton's charitable initiatives. They basically wrote him a blank check. Uh, Hamilton was quoted a couple of years ago, Matt, saying kind of crazy that I'll never drive for, for Ferrari. Um, turns out he will. And uh, you know me, I'm not a gearhead, but this is a bit of a big deal. Stole my hashtag. Really? Yeah. You offended? No. Is it the exact hashtag or just yeah. the topic? Joe, Joe Pompliano yeah. as well. Yeah. So here's the thing. Pretty much every iconic driver in the sport has at some point driven for a Ferrari. So Lewis didn't want to be left off yeah. that list, the most iconic team, even if they're down a little bit now. Here's the other thing. Do you have his age there? No. Okay. Um, he gets all this money. 39. He gets all this money without having to show Ferrari how good he still is at 39. Right. Whether he still has the nerve. Right? Yeah. Like there was a world where Ferrari and other teams would have got a free look at Lewis Hamilton this year and said, okay, what is he going to, what could he possibly bring in 2025? Not anymore. How about nine figures? Guaranteed. Yes. In addition to the philanthropy. Yeah. Now this has always been a big money sport folks. If you're not as familiar, like there was a time when the only guy in the world making more money than Michael Jordan in sports was Michael Schumacher. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. People are like, who is the Schumacher guy? How can he be paid more than Michael Jordan? Well, a lot of money that runs through that sport. Anyways, 
onto your second hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> That awful announcement. Your depth. It's playoff time. I, I'm, I'm actually now looking for some depth on the fly. <laughs> Add awful announcing. Peter Schrager's epic Super Bowl prediction streak remains alive. You watch Good Morning Football on NFL Network. You certainly know Peter Schrager. He also works for Fox. He has correctly picked four straight Super Bowl champions. And in September this year, he took Kansas City over San Francisco in this year's Super Bowl. Even predicted a score. And given that he's gone four in a row, including the Tom Brady Buccaneers and the Rams, Blake. Like, those were not easy Super Bowl predictions. Remember, we were like, oh, Tom's going to Tampa Bay, but, you know, how good can they be? You know, they haven't been there for a while at the upper echelon. And then predicting the Matthew Stafford Super Bowl with the Rams. So, this guy clearly has some knowledge. He's predicting, he predicted, because this happened back in September, Kansas City 34-28, and he's got KC cornerback Trent McDuffie returning an interception for a touchdown when he talked about the game in September and how he sees it playing out. You have been warned. He's getting down to props. warrant. Wow. He's, it, Yeah. There you go. Maybe you want to hit on McDuffie as a long shot MVP. It's happened before with defensive backs in the Super Bowl. So Peter Schrager, seer of the NFL. No kidding. Wow. At GSB underscore TV, Julie Stewart Binks. She's from Regina now in New York. Michael Buble answering a question about his fantasy hockey team. That turns into how he took too many mushrooms. Isn't the press conference we wanted. Mm -hmm. It's the press conference we needed. He randomly has a sidebar where he says, by the way, my friend told me this was a microdose of mushrooms. That's not what I'm feeling right now. Um, he was a little rambly. He was a little. Yeah. He was a little bit distracted at times. Mm-hmm. He was still fun. I mean, I think him and Will Arnett did save that whole process. Uh, but it might explain a few things for, for Michael Buble. And mm -hmm. no judgment here. Just uh, time and place, Michael. Time and place. It was bizarre. Yeah. that That's not... We've interviewed Buble before. We had him in our old studio. And, and as... Had him on the first tee at uh, Tawasson Springs. We, we, we interviewed him at Tawasson Springs as well. And one of the things that is readily apparent when Michael um, does interviews and, and parties himself to sports is, and hockey in particular, he kind of lets his hair down. Yes, a little he does. Bit. Yes. You know, no longer is he the, you know, adult contemporary crooner of a certain, you know, that appeals to a certain demographic. He's a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? He's unguarded, for yeah, sure. Unguarded. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And uh particularly off here, if you remember. Yes. Yeah. No, he, he knows a swear word or two. And yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> told my mom, yeah, I met Michael Bublé today. Oh, I love him. What's he like? Oh, well, you know. He would use language you would not approve of. <laughs> Anyways, um, but that uh, that was a little uh that was different yeah, yesterday. It was from Michael. Do you have any other hashtags since you ran me out? I, I, no, I read two. I'm out. Okay. Yes, that's hashtags wow. for today. 
We're joined now by the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McKellen podcast. It's Sean Shannon with Secure Some Price. John, hi. hi. How are we doing? Like great, perfect day. Friday, good day. John, the Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks, two old Smythe Division rivals, and a good old-fashioned hockey trade with no money retained. How about this to kick off All-Star Weekend? Well, you you combine that with, uh, you know, the flair that uh, Patrick and Jimmy sent up, and that means everybody else is now on high alert, and that probably forced the Winnipeg Jets to make their trade earlier today, too, with uh, Sean Monaghan from the Canadians to the Jets. Uh, I, I'm starting to feel bad for those guys on those TV networks for March the 8th. I'm not oh. sure there's going to be much left. <laughs> Okay, uh, tell me what you make of the trade from a Canucks perspective. Well, it's, you know, as we have talked about uh, the last three weeks, I you had a gut that that with the success the team had, that they were going to go for it. Uh, this is right down Jimmy Rutherford's MO. That's what he does all the time. He gets this close, he's going for it. Uh, to get a 200-foot a, a, a player, like Lindholm, uh, a versatile guy, center, winger, uh, defensive uh, strengths. I mean, it, it's it's just the right move. There are eight teams out there that were forlorn when they when the tweets started to come out that you know the Canucks and the Flames are close to a deal, and they probably tried to make another phone call to Craig Conroy, but the deal was done by then. What do you make of the price the Canucks paid? Well, listen, um, of all the things, in my opinion, of all the things that was the most value was the first round pick, but it's still a gamble too. You know, I I talked to a couple of scouts last night at an event I was at, uh, about the, the young guy that's, that's playing in Kitchener and and they said, he's going to be a good player. Um, and that, that they, they, they might be regretting this four or five years from now when. He's a quality player, but that's four or five years from now. now. Dare I remind people in Vancouver where the Canucks were four or five years ago. Um, and this team is making a decision to go for it. And you do have to give something up. And I I, I think it's pretty obvious that there's the Kuzmenko experiment, uh, experiment for this group, which includes Rick Tockett after the fact, um, did not work. And so to find a, uh, a suitor that would take that contract and then get somebody like Lindholm in return, albeit a rental at this point. But now, I mean, I, do you have any doubt that he will sign long-term in Vancouver? I, I, I've, I have doubt. I mean, there's, there, are, they're going to be not because of want, uh, but just because of the economics of it all and getting the numbers to work with Ronick and Pedersen coming up. But um you know, that certainly would be, if they could keep the core together and keep him in the fold, I mean, that would be something else. The interesting thing for me is that, you know, almost to a man or to a fan more accurately, John, is that, you know, fans said, you know, what if Kuzmenko works better in their system and lights it up, they're going to be okay with that because it just wasn't working here with the Vancouver Canucks. Right. Yeah. Well, and when they changed the coach, it stopped working. Yeah. That's the bottom line. The expectation of what Rick Tockett had for Kuzmenko versus what Bruce had for Kuzmenko obviously was a different job description. And you, and 
I, I don't think at this point you can discount what Rick wanted out of one of those six top forward positions. So this is just, I mean, the Canucks got better. Bottom line is the Canucks got better. The Canucks got deeper. Uh, and they already are one of the best teams in the game. So this this is uh, this is a win-win for, for people who go to Rogers Arena every game. If you're confident Lindholm will resign, is that alongside Elias Pettersson or in a non-Elias Pettersson world for the Canucks? Oh, no, no. That's, uh, to me, that's with both guys. Wow. That's with both signing in Vancouver. But, you know, and maybe I'm a pie-in-the-sky guy uh, for, for thinking that. I just have learned not to doubt um, what this front office can do when it comes to cap and when it comes to, to managing expectation. And, um, and you know, maybe there is somebody that's going to be on the outs because of it. But Elias Lindholm is a quality hockey player and a quality person. He fits into exactly what they wanted. And again, another guy, and you guys have touched on this all week, another guy that Jim Rutherford is familiar with. Yep. You know, having drafted him in Carolina. So it's it, it's amazing the institutional knowledge that seems to come back all the time, whether it's, you know, the Casey Dismiss, the Teddy Blugers, the Ian Coles, everybody that Rutherford has touched at some point in his career. And the coach is one of those guys. And now Elias Lindholm is one of those guys as well. Let's take let's take them at face value. They say they want to evaluate the team over the next little while before they make any other changes let's let's assume that they that's exactly where they're at right now what if they continue to be the best team in the league over the next couple of weeks are are they going to show the restraint of just adding depth pieces around the perimeter or do you think there's one more substantial trade for the vancouver canucks because that will even give them more evidence bigger sample size uh that this is a team worth investing in and worth going even more all in well, I, I I think reading between the lines, Blake, you're asking me if they're going to go get Chris Tanoff. Or the like. I mean, there's other options, but sure, yeah. certainly he'd be the easiest one to, to pencil in. Well, well deduced. And, and uh, I mean, is that there? Do they need another forward? Do they need a depth forward? I, I don't think so now. Um, but they, you know, they, they didn't actually improve their depth of the forward and right. the forward system. They didn't. They replaced right. Um, so that becomes the question. And, and I do think at some point you have to, when you look at, um, at where the defense is, is, is Susie going to be able to deliver what Susie's supposed to at a certain point? I mean, can he, can he stay out of the infirmary more than anything else? I think, but then I think you have to ask that question. I, I, I had this conversation with a, with a general manager last week and they said, what do you think of Chris Tanov? I said, great. If he's healthy. And, and, and do you, do you run that risk? He's, he's a very good player. We all know the numbers in both Vancouver and Calgary. When he plays, the team plays much better, but to stay healthy and the games and you, I, Jimmy, Jimmy Rutherford was pretty cryptic all week. in the, in some of the stuff I heard what he says, you know, the games are getting tougher now. Mm-hmm. They'll get tougher between now. And so that means that commitment to play blocking shots, physical play is going to get tougher. And can Chris live through that? That's that would be the biggest risk of anybody trying to acquire Chris Tanev is can he stay healthy? He's had a nice he run, but you're right. Playing games of consequence right. matters. They're they're that much rougher. It's that much, and you're that much more inclined to lay yourself on the line because the game means that much more. 
and get and and th- th- this is this is not a criticism. This is a reality of the yeah. way he plays the game. Mm-hmm. So do, do you, certainly you want him? Yeah, I I'd, I'd take Chris Tanev too. Well, at what price? And then can he stay healthy? And those are things. Those are that last one is such an intangible. Uh, if this team is cruising at the top of the Pacific and they can take it easy, that's not going to be the case because you know darn well that Colorado and Dallas uh, and now Winnipeg, I think, are going to be fighting for first spot in the in the conference. Uh, so from from that perspective, you do have to gauge his value and the cost if he can stay healthy. LeBron says it's going to take a second and a prospect, which I suspect is a B-level prospect for Tanif. Is that a well, you, you know, it, it, it really, and, and Pierre would, Pierre would have a pretty good contact with the guys in Calgary to say that that's the price, but at the same time, um, how many suitors, you know, and right now Craig Conroy's on a pretty good high with what he got out of, out of, mm-hmm. uh, out of Vancouver. If there's three teams that are expressing interest in Chris Tanov, then that, that actually might go up. That's at right. this point. yeah well and uh, there's been be other more. reports there's yeah. nine or ten teams yeah. uh, that are in on Tanev, including a team like the ottawa senators who are looking at acquiring him re-signing him and, and making him a veteran uh leader for what they hope is a stanley cup playoff run uh next next season uh okay let's just say let's just say playoff run okay because it's the moment you put the word stanley cup in people are going to go to thinking fourth round not first round we we got to get Ottawa to the well, first. Well, yeah, let's get first. him to the playoffs. Well, that's what I've always said about the Canucks. Like, well, in particular, well, no, but, early. But now, but that at Matt, as you know, that has now that's changed in Vancouver now. Well, you guys, that's you, guys it. Are, you're, you, you guys are now trying to figure out what to do on the May 24th weekend in the third round. I mean, come totally, on. Yeah, we're skipping over the meaningful <laughs> no, games in March. Uh, I've right. already told my better half that, you know, forget about the May long weekend. I, I just don't think I'm going to be available. <laughs> meaningful games in May. We, right. we misspoke earlier. Yes. Right. So then you, you tell me then, uh, Shannon, um, Canucks, you think they could beat Edmonton? You think they could beat Colorado in a seven Vegas in a seven game series? Seven seven games, yeah, but I think that uh, I think those four teams you and you're not including Winnipeg, and I think I think you yeah. might have to as well. You got five teams, if not six. Um, you could throw in a hat and just pull one out. I mean, that's the fascination of the West right now. That is that the 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 the, the power change in the in the NHL in the last 18 months has been fascinating to watch the Western conference become so, so dominant. And, and, you know, you look at the, you look at what the playoff matchups are going to be in the first round, you know, there are going to be really good teams, really good teams eliminated in round one and good teams eliminated in round two. And it's going to frustrate fans, but it's a reality of the way the playoff setup is in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Just before we leave uh, Tanif and Conroy in the flames, of course, they have Noah Hannafin there as well, who's a better player than Chris Tanif. Uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, but, um, and he's not resigning, right, John? So I, I would, I, 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 I might discount, I, he might resign. Really? Okay. There, there might be something there, there. What the, what the Calgary Flames are doing right now is, you know, I 
I, I'm sure there's a ton of internal discussion between uh, ownership and Craig about what are we doing? How are we doing it? You know, um, you know, but I don't, at this point, I think the whole conversation of Noah Hannafin staying, I think is probably the meters probably going closer to staying than, than, than leaving. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, no, but, 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 you know, if they decide, I mean, I think I think everything's on the table in Calgary right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they decide that they're they're going to uh, go nuclear, uh, and you know Jacob Markstrom becomes the next trade bait, then that changes everything. Um, and and that could that could happen between mm-hmm. now and and March eighth. That could happen. Is that the L.A. Kings, John, who fired their head coach today? Oh, they have oh. been sagging. Uh, they need some sort of spark there. What's uh, What do you see happening in Los Angeles? Well, uh, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, if they trade for Markstrom and he, he replaces David Riddick again um, as the as the number one mm-hmm. goalie? Because right, right now, David Riddick is the number one goalie in Los Angeles. And it is scary to think about that. Not that I, uh, Dave's a good guy. I like him, but you know, that that's their Achilles heel right now is that the goaltending that Cam Talbot gave them at the beginning of the season just does not exist right now. Um, I, I think there would be an appetite for a team that will go out and try to find a goaltender. And I think, you, you know, they, and they have an extra one, whether it's Vladar or Markstrom or, or Dustin Wolf. Um, but if I'm the Flames at this point, I'm I'm trying to move the biggest contract, and that would be Markstrom. Could you make the argument, John, um, that the Canadian Olympic team in 2026 might be amongst the best of all time? Could it beat Salt Lake's group? Well, uh, the answer is yes, except one position, and that is in goal. Mm-hmm. That's the that I, I have been asking this of friends. I asked again a ton of guys last night. I, so we're going to we're going to Milan. Great, we're going to Milan. The Americans are five deep in goal. Yeah, you know, you know if, if the war is over and the Russians show up, they are three or four deep. Um, the, the Finns and the Swedes have good goaltending. We have no the the, the other teams have great goaltending. We have good goaltending, and who, like who's our starting goalie? Tell us, tell me the starting goalie right now. Ingram. Connor Ingram, Aiden Connor Hill. Ingram, Connor Ingram, Aiden Hill, Stu Skinner. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. are our three goaltenders. Good goaltenders. And maybe wow. by maybe by 2026, they will be great goaltenders. That, that would be the whole good, good goaltenders, but one of those guys at the beginning of the year, we were talking about what's the matter him and yeah. how he's dragging right. the right. oilers down. So yeah, no, but so but the answer is, I mean, our team is gonna be magnificent on the blue line it's going to be great with the forwards but you know it's like sesame street one of the things isn't like the other yeah <laughs> you like salt lake better than the vancouver team i think that what I, I think the resumes are better on the salt lake team you don't think the, the sochi team. team was better than both of them yeah the sochi team bought into the, the the sochi team bought into the system much better than any of the other teams well and with all due respect um, because it was a gold medal, and a gold medal is a gold medal. It was kind of joyless watching that team play after the high of watching the 2010 team play, and yeah. after the high of watching the 2002 team. Yeah, well, but it was yeah. so clinical, and Mike Babcock created an "us versus the world" mentality, which 
I'm not necessarily sure is the best way to go about an Olympic team. It worked for him, but yeah. I think an Olympic team should feel inclusive given that it's representing Canada, not exclusive to everybody who's not in the room. Yeah. Now I, I was not in Sochi, but I was in the other two cities. Mm-hmm. Um, those were home games. Both of them. The right. Salt Lake game was a home game. Right. I mean, it was wild. You know, there are 11,000 people in that East center where it was 99, mm-hmm. even though it was the Americans, there were more Canadians in the rink than there were Americans. It was, it was like being at, at a regular uh, Canadian arena. And of course right. in Vancouver was, was nuts. So, so I actually think that we, w- the, the antiseptic thing that we saw in, in 2014 in, in, in Russia was really changed by the fact that there wasn't really a home crowd. Yeah. Uh, and so it, they were, they were so efficient. They were, I mean, carry price was just electric. And let's also remember we weren't, we were close to the gold medal, um, have being a, l- a little tighter when, uh, when Nick Backstrom got suspended for using a, a, a Sudafed the mm-hmm. day before the game and, and failed his drug test. So, mm-hmm. um, it would have been a tighter game than, than we had in 2000 and, and in, in the other games, if 2014 was that way, but I, I actually think the 14 team was better, but, uh, it's, it's difficult to discount how good 2010 was. Gosh, just everything about it was spectacular. Yeah, I think, I think of Lemieux mm-hmm. and Sackick and, and, and Mario was on yeah. one leg, but Mario was on one leg. Oh, totally. He yeah. was on one leg. Yeah. I mean, it was they. Those were the old war horses going to battle one last that's time. That's why I say yeah. that. But that's why I said by resume, I think the right. team was best, if not in the moment. Well, the, I mean, you can look at the high end. The other way to do it is look at who are the last defensemen, last forward on the team. Oh, two, your last defense. I know it's your neighbor, but Eric Brewer mm-hmm. and Simone Gagne was probably the last forward on that team. Uh, Jay Bowmeister and Chris Kunitz in Sochi. And of course, Kunitz had the Crosby connection, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the 2010 team. Wow. I mean, I think Dan Boyle's the last defenseman on the team. Pretty clear that Brendan Morrow was the last forward on the team. Yeah. Well, remember the forwards. Was, I, yeah. I don't have the roster in front of me, but mm-hmm. my memory tells me that we had 12 forwards and nine of them were centers. Because yeah. they, they could play anywhere. And I mean, right. wasn't what didn't Jonathan Taves win the best forward? I think did he, he really yeah. I think I think Jonathan Taves won the best yeah. forward award for the tournament. And he and he played left wing. I like uh, <laughs> uh, me, I, I almost think the O2 team is the weakest just because you know uh Neuendijk at that point wasn't Owen Nolan, Mike Pekka. They were uh, old, they were old for sure. No, but yeah, so I, like, I just you know legends. those guys at their peak was a, a, a different yeah. matter. I tell, you, um, I tell you what, I just, I, I would take 10 off the top of my head. I'd yeah, take I, I'm, I'm I'd sort take. of with you, John, and, and I might be biased because I was eight rows up and I think had to contain it. myself yeah, when Sidney Crosby. Yeah, we were always, uh, you know, the, 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 and again, in that one, um, would you rather have Lou in goal or would you rather have Marty in goal? So I think I'd <laughs> rather have Marty mm-hmm. uh, with all due respect. Um, but of course, Marty was the backup in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There, there, there was a world where Marty was playing. But even Luongo was like bleeping his pants. Oh, well, you know, every he wasn't, time, sure, he wasn't listen, sure they could do it. Every time Zach Parise or, or Phil Kessel skated across the blue line, I started to tense up. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. 
Well, and he kept dropping pucks in oh, the slot out of the glove too, I mean, John. It was I've in, never the whole been that tense. in the whole tournament. Ryan Miller was the best goalie for most oh, of the tournament. Unquestionably, oh, yeah. unquestionably. Yeah. I've, I've never had that feeling before covering a game. Where Ryan Miller doesn't have jumping. feelings. So it's it's difficult to be nervous <laughs> when you're still hey, against Ryan Miller. He's a sensitive guy. <laughs> Uh, marvelous stuff. Uh, enjoy the walk down memory lane as well, John Shannon. Enjoy All Star Weekend. We will catch up next week. Have a good weekend, guys. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, yes. let's, let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people and miss the people there. Been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people, we go. Well, let's go to those people on a massive news week for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll start with the reaction to the Elias Lindholm trade. Cody says it's a good hockey trade as of now. Flames needed to get a return for Lindholm. Nux had to go for it. Kept all of our other coveted top prospects. Yeah, as we talked about Wednesday, Blake, you know, keeping Lekromacki, Wielander, out of, Hoaglander out of this deal I think is a win for the Vancouver Canucks. And it could very well be the type of trade that both teams win. Like, you know, Kuzmenko could flourish there. Brustevich could be a player. They could get another contributor with that first round pick. And the uh, Canucks may well get a deep playoff run because of Elias Lindholm and or re-sign him and have him be part of the core group going forward. And because the Canucks are going to need low price contracts in the next couple of years, I I like that there's no Rod Sewer Pod Colson as well. The, the, you know, those guys could become very, really useful in the next couple of years with the Canucks squeezed. And, you know, they're going to need those guys to jump up. But Bristevich is years away. So. Yeah. Mike says we are living in the dead trade era where it's been very difficult to make trades. But these two guys, Alvin, with advice from his mentor, Jim Rutherford, have managed to make trade after trade literally embarrassing. The rest of the GM hats, GMs hats off to the Canucks management group. That's what Frank Saravelli's been saying all year. Don't feed me no excuses. Oh, it's cap tight, dollar in, dollar out. Get creative, make trades. Vancouver doesn't seem to have any trouble doing it, and they were cap tight at the beginning of the season too. Absolutely remarkable how busy the Vancouver Canucks have been in the last five months. Oh, remarkable! It really hasn't. Farmer Bill, they just added a Selkie-nominated player. Perfect addition. To the play uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, about the same thing. I mean, as long as he can be the same player that he's been, that's exactly what they want. Tim, good trade. Clearing the cap space for next year is huge. Didn't give up much. Kept their best prospects. Right-handed center who kills penalties. Great at face-offs with big offensive upside. Playing with good players again. Uh, King Chronic. The last time we had two face-off aces when we had Kessler and Malhotra. Can't wait to watch this play out. The one thing we should caution. Um, Face-offs don't necessarily correlate with winning. Huh? That's no. one of the things that Debated the topic. analytics yeah. folks have taught us is that now, situationally, killing a penalty late in a game, maybe it's a six-on-four with the goalie out, protecting a one goal. God, you want to win that face-off. one face big off. moment? Yeah. But, but mm -hmm. yeah. And, and now they have a right-handed guy and left-handed guys who could conceivably do that with so Miller. so often when you're in the offensive zone um but you're you're leading you're okay with them winning the face off and then you you come at them and you press them like it, it's it's not the end of the world so yeah, it's very debatable and uh by the way if people are wondering who the other face off guy is jt miller's turned miller. into one of the better face off yeah. guys in the league although miller's better on his what should be his weak side which is interesting yeah. uh daniel says added a depth well 
Add one more depth center, one more defenseman, either an upgrade or just a seventh. Both are for rotating out of the press box to keep fresh and for different playoff matchups like against the Oilers or Vegas. So that's where Darian is. Well, the Nils Oman position is certainly upgradable. Whether or not they can pull that off, we'll see. Yeah. Um, And and as mentioned, well, particularly last week when we were kicking around the differences between Lindholm and Monaghan, we knew that Lindholm was going to require a body going out. So you actually haven't added to your forward depth. You've added to your forward quality. Mm. So for me, I, I I want to see another forward here because you're going to lose one in a playoffs and that makes D Giuseppe or a Carlson next man up unless somebody from Abbotsford can show here in the next six weeks. They've added to their difference maker depth because now mm-hmm. if a, if a Miller or a Pedersen got dinged, yeah. they would have some somebody to, to take that spot, but your overall depth, no. Bo Diddley wants to know how much did Kuzmenko's Thailand summer training camp factor into it. I, I don't think it helped. I don't think it helped. Uh, even his agent mentioned at the beginning of the season, look, he had been in KHL de- uh, shape. We need him to be in NHL shape. I don't think that went over. I think it was a PR hit. I don't think it was a practical hit. I don't think it's why. Well, but struggled. I still don't think he was in the best of shape, Blake. And as we know, stylistically, he wasn't a talkative player. And so I don't think. Uh, and it was uh, was Bali, not Thailand. Yes. Incidentally. I don't think Bali helped. Uh, how much will you remember the Kuzmenka era? Kuzmenko air Jordan the bright spot of a shit season he was fun last year one of the only things worth watching fair Richard loved the player breath of flesh fresh air last year was hoping for him to turn around and fit in the system right up to the trade wishing him the best in Calgary David I loved him as a player he's a throwback to the profile of players in the 70s 80s and so on idiosyncratic personalities oozing with natural talents good good uh (laughs) good shout uh, Chris says Pepsi and a banana and Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> Jared, talk it around a 39 goal guy out of town on a great deal. Sad. There's a, again, folks, there's a lot of guys you could probably get to 39 goals if you completely took reins off of them and expected nothing else out of them. There's, there's a lot of quality, talented, skilled players. But the minute you want them to play into a system that actually helps you to win hockey games, mm-hmm. it becomes harder. And I think he falls into that group. Tell me I'm wrong from Juan in Savage, Maryland. Uh, Lindholm is the player the Canucks used to have in Bo Horvat. Some subtle differences here, Juan. A right-handed center. More of a matchup in defensive center. He's a centerman. true defensive center. Bo Horvat was never that. Yeah, well, but, I mean, he, he was a shoot-first centerman who required a playmaking winger like Bo. That, that part. That part tracks. Like, what what are the reasons? You think Lindholm's shoot first? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, the reason he got to 42 goals is he had a playmaking winger in Johnny Goudreau. I read Harmon Dial's piece that talks about how he's just not an offensive play driver because he's just not quite at the talent level puck on stick that he's going to create for others. But he excels uh, shooting one-timers. He excels in finding some open ice in the danger areas or the uh, mid-danger areas and converting those opportunities. I'll take from Honest AB, underrated aspect of the Lindholm trade. If PD isn't interested in re-signing with Vancouver, you have a legit short-term alternative to play center one or center two with JT Miller. Also, rather than thinking about this 
as a chip that makes EP40 want to resign. The Canucks are now in a position to say, we have a legit number two center here. And if you want that, you need to take however small the hometown discount is. It balances a little the relative power in any future contract negotiations with Patterson. I'm not going to go that far. A player of that ilk always has the leverage. And frankly, I think that's very dangerous territory, A.B., to approach the Pedersen camp with. Oh, we have an alternative now if you're not willing to sign for our price. No, they're not playing hardball like that. I don't think so. No. I don't see it. I'm going cold on the take. Cold, sure. Kyle, hot take. PD waiting to sign isn't about him wanting to walk. It's about him deciding between max value contract and a short-term team-friendly deal. Team needs to show him they won't squander the cap savings. Could be. Like the counterintuitiveness here, Kyle. Yeah, it could be. The, the The thing is, is that I don't think they can prove to him. Like, I just don't think it's a, it's available to prove to him what they do over the next three years when they're going to be more cap constrained. You know, they've set themselves up nicely for next year, but they don't have the personnel. All these free agents, RFA and UFA for next year. I mean, they can't prove what they're going to do for PD for next year kind of until the summer, until they're yeah. past that anniversary point. For also, me. it doesn't seem to track with what all the insiders are saying, that that it is, in fact, a, somewhat about the money because of the cap going up next year and the percentage of the cap that he would be in a position to negotiate for. Wayne's turtleneck. This is the trade the 2011 Canucks didn't make that would have put them over the top. I'll agree in one sense, Wayne. I, I, I long felt, and I... I've argued this with Gillis and Gilman many a time since. They told me that there was not a big Corey Schneider deal to make in advance of that deadline. Because I always said, you know, Mike Lawrence, how much was Schneider going to help you in the playoffs? As it turned out, he did help in the Chicago series, although sadly had to leave it with cramps. How much is the backup goaltender going to help? Like, could you not have got another frontline defenseman, another frontline forward for him? Now, you weren't making this trade, Wayne, because you were pretty good at center ice. Like, I don't think you were looking for a top two centerman with Henrik Sedin and Ryan Kessler here. That's the disagreement part. But yeah, I, I, I have always wondered if there was a good deal to make for Schneider or Hudson at the time, because remember, Cody was riding high as a top prospect, right? World mm -hmm. junior hero. Could that have made the difference against Boston, particularly when the bodies started to fall? Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great clips. It's going to be great. Well, while we were away, the Seattle Seahawks have hired a new coach. He's the youngest head coach in the National Football League. Mike McDonald, 36 years old. He was the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. Previous to that, the defensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. The Seahawks said that they were looking for someone who kept the Pete Carroll vibes in the building and look nobody is pete carroll we know that but in his introductory press conference mcdonald very much seemed like an upbeat young bright 
guy who understands the modern player is, you know, not going to create that dour Belichickian environment. But he's uh, not grandpa either. No, it's different oh, here. Yeah, oh, wow. from grandpa. So uh, he used the phrase, this is the future. So uh, according to Mike McDonald, the Seahawks are not going through any kind of rebuild here. They're going to be looking to win. And, you know, quite frankly, if they fix the run defense, they should be competitive. Going to be interesting to see what they do with quarterback. But of course, that is as much now a John Schneider move, given the organizational hierarchy and um, as it is the head coach's responsibility as it was. John Schneider is Pete on Carey. the hot seat. Yeah. Now. Oh, absolutely. Now there's nobody to blame to. Nobody to say, oh, maybe that was his decision. This is all going to be Schneider's right. decision. And, 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 you know, the big. Uh, the big thing there is, is there going to be a quarterback worth taking with the 16th overall pick in the draft? Does Seattle feel like it has to move up for a quarterback? How high do you have to move? Um, do you have any interest in Baker Mayfield if he gets to free agency? Do you have any interest in an established NFL quarterback to trade for? Now that Pete is gone, is there any chance of a Russell Wilson return? I'm just putting that out there. Be a, a buyout? Well, okay. I mean, yeah. It's, I'm not sure you'd want to trade for that contract. No. Anyways, so big, big, big microscope now on the Seahawks in terms of what they do at quarterback we know the british columbia lions are good at quarterback with vernon uh, vernon adams there um, also though dane evans as we know retired to go coach high school football chris strevler signed with the winnipeg blue bombers that had been a guy that the lions were eyeing a little bit but he goes home so to speak to the cfl franchise he knew and won a a great cup with uh, good work by the Lions and getting the American linebacker Josh Woods re-signed. It looks like he very well could be a starter this year, particularly if Ben Laddick isn't uh, re-signed. And really, um, now it's coming down to Betts and Laddick for the Lions in the what eleven days here before CFL free agency. You wonder if it's a one or the other proposition, given that both are Canadian starters with terrific resumes that are going to command, I think, a pretty fair dollar on the cfl marketplace so we'll we'll look to see what transpires there these canadian free agents are uh very interesting yeah but both for the lines that i mean across the league well Ale- no but that's the thing like, like it is um yeah Bavera there like, too you kidding me like i mean it, it's almost like all the best canadian free agents said let's just go to free agency and put the screws to these guys and see how far we can push it yeah because when you're talking about Canadian free agents with the resumes of an Oliveira leading the league in rushing, MOP candidate, a Matthew Betts, you know, sack top, leader. Yeah, yeah, top defensive player, top sack leader, you know, those are the sorts of players that appeal across the board. Like all nine teams would have interest, if not cap space, to ratio altering players so it's absolutely it's going to be very interesting and of course you know the lions are look like they're already going to be tweaking the ratio with the two canadian wide receivers with mckinnis and uh katoy and they had the two canadian linebackers with lacombo and Vladek, and we'll see if if that continues Mm -hmm. in the new world errors and omissions from uh tuesday's no monday's program and beyond and one on me on twitter uh yanni yermo is an unsigned 
prospect from the Vancouver Canucks. I had him as a contract shed off the 50. And Jay Pat, when discussing Brock Besser on Monday, talked about how if you're on the penalty kill, of course he meant the power play. Grady, anything else? Hearing nothing. Uh, moving on now. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Connect Conversation, and Rinkwide Vancouver, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Remember, we're live 11.30 a.m. on YouTube every day. And, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.